that people come see and and they say, look, uh, you made my day. The food is delicious, but even not just about the food, it's also about the hospitality. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. In recent years, we've enjoyed the renaissance of Italian restaurants exploring the food of different regions of Italy, and we've also embraced the wine bar culture that blurs the lines between restaurant and bar. Today's guest is leading the team at a venue embracing both. Rosie Scatinia is the head chef of Bar Morris in Sydney. Rosie, how are you? Hi, good. How are you, Ask? Good. It's great to get you on the show. You're part of an exciting uh, new offering in Sydney. How are things going? Well, well, settling in. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, everything is going as planned. And uh, finally, yeah, everything is getting into places. So, yeah, very excited about this new chapter. Tell us a little bit about uh, Bar Morris. Um, so Bar Morris is a, a 40 seats uh, wine bar uh, part of Hotel Morris. So the hotel has 82 rooms, is part of the Accor family and is the second handwritten collection hotel open in Australia uh, after the first one in Perth. Um, Bar Morris style is based on the Italian palazzo concept. So back in the uh, 900, uh, so it's like uh, walking into a palazzo, like uh, the translation of palazzo is like old building in Italian. It's like entering in an old building in Florence. It's the same feeling I had the first time I I stepped in into this beautiful venue. Um, it was uh, has been for ages the tallest hotel in uh, Sydney, and then became a big packer hotel, which is super fun because uh, I remember when uh, I first arrived here, and the owner told me that there were like 25 bulk beds in our biggest room. <laughs> so, and if you ever look at the hotel now, like the changes are unbelievable. So. Um, uh, yeah, uh, Bar Morris is, uh, as I said before, like a wine bar. So we have like lots of uh, snacks on the menu and a few pasta courses and main course. But the brief was like casual Italian food. But the most important thing is like people coming here, listening to good music, having a glass of wine and uh, taste the delicious food, but like simple, easy, and casual. And yeah, the brief was like just have fun, guys. And is what we have actually here with the team and uh, in the kitchen. So yeah, I'm pretty stoked about it. What's it What's it been like for you? Um, you know, being part of the build up of this project. What, has it had its challenges and sort of triumphs? What's oh. it been like? Yeah, well, 100%, uh, considering it's also my first head chef role, and I never done hotel, so I had some... It wasn't easy as a choice, especially at the beginning, because I didn't know what I was, like, stepping into, and uh, I thought that, oh, Rosie, maybe it's too big for you, because, of course, it's not just the bar and, like, the restaurant per se, but it's also 
taking care of the operation of the hotel. So, um, and also we postponed the opening. So the hotel uh, was like meant to open in, uh, in February and we actually opened uh, in June. So there were like lots of challenges and to keep also the motivation up uh, for the team, not just for like uh, as HOD, but also for like all the guys that they were like uh, following us and working us and they needed like answer from us, right? So, and also was, uh, yeah, as I said, my first head chef role. So from a, a leadership point of view, um, has been actually yeah challenging and trying to find the best way to communicate with people, especially when you have a lot of challenges, right? Uh, but here we are now, so I mean, I think we all should be proud of what it is, and of course, without passing through period of like you know, uh, yeah, not very nice period, like you can't achieve very good stuff, right? So yeah. it's always like this. Australia uh, has an, a rich uh, cultural tradition with with Italy and a huge influence on the cuisine here. Um, mm -hmm. What's it like for you with your approach with this venue and sort of honouring uh, mm -hmm. traditional dishes from Italy, but, you know, in the context of Australia? What's your approach with that? Um, yeah, like, I... I didn't struggle like a lot with like writing the menu because I try to put on the menu some classic Italian dishes but tweaked a little bit in base of my experience uh, back in London, in Italy, but also here in Australia at Aria Rachelau. So I'm trying to have some like uh, fun ingredients and uh, for example, we do, I don't know, it's easy uh, to explain it uh, through an example. I'm doing like a barbecue beef tongue and Barbie is the favorite <laughs> of probably <laughs> Australian dish, if we want to call it dish or like, it's not even a dish, it's more, a, I don't know, I, yeah, it's like super strong here, right? And I'm doing like a tonga la pizzaiola which is based on like an italian classic pasta sauce for example so i'm trying to have fun a little bit mixing technique and ingredients that they can be australian or italian or the opposite so yeah well i want to explore sort of in greater detail what you're doing there at bar morris but um you mentioned you're from Italy. Take us back to when you were young. Where, where did you grow up in Italy and what sort of role did food play? I grew up in the south in a region called Puglia, exactly in a little town of 20,000 uh, people called Celle Messapica, uh, which is uh, yeah, basically towards the middle of uh, Puglia region. And, uh, well, food was the center of, and is still the center of everything. Uh, I remember the first question in the morning when I used to wake up and my mom was like, Rosie, what do you want to eat today? And I was like, mom, it's just 7 a.m. <laughs> I just need some time. <laughs> I need a coffee first. <laughs> but, you know, just to... Uh, give you like the contest of everything we are like I come in uh, from like a big family so my mom has 
six siblings and my dad too. So lots of cousins. My grandma used to cook all all Sunday lunch, like for like probably 25 people average every every Sunday. And sometimes I talk to my friends and I say, oh, what kind of food like? Uh, and she used to make like fresh pasta every Sunday for everyone. Like fresh pasta takes like an enormous amount of amount of time. But she used to wake up at five, doing her pasta, like and smash the mise en place, like we would say in the kitchen, and just doing with a with a smile on her face and waiting for all of us to to go there and taste all these delicious things. So yeah, everything uh, it's around like. Of food for us, especially my family. Also, my mom, she's a great cook, not very classic because she likes to explore. Um, I still remember like something like my auntie used to ask my mom, Oh, what did what, what's ginger? And she, uh, like, ginger wasn't like something that we uh, it was like not very used like often in in uh, in the south of Italy, right? Like we are talking about probably 15 years ago, and uh, and she used ginger in like to cook her fish from ages without like uh, traveling in Asia or you know uh, doing a lot of experience overseas. So that's crazy, and. Um, I didn't cook at all until I was at uni, so that's crazy as well because I didn't touch a pen until I was like probably, yeah, 20 years old. Because uh, at home, my mom is the queen of the kitchen and <laughs> she's just at the helm. <laughs> well, you originally started uh, studying law, but what? Yeah. what Tell us a bit about that period and why did you make that move into food? Uh, yeah, so I studied law because I always like to study, to be fair, uh, also now. And um, I just uh, started and uh, got a bachelor degree back in Turin where I, where I studied. Um, but I wasn't, I wasn't satisfied. I, I really developed like a passion for food, but just like eating food. And it was what um, back then what like made me like mm, happy. And I remember I always like, um, I started to cook for my, for my friends, uh, where we live like all together in a university residence. So, um, I I start like studying about how to make something better. It was not just like you know, okay, it's a get uh, get away with like get yeah. Uh, we just go out and like someone cook for everyone else. It was like more than that for me. I wanted to improve my skills and uh, try to make them happy because it's all about that. Like I wouldn't I would never cook for like just myself. That's the uh, something very curious about me and my relation with food but I love to cook always for like someone else that is not me uh, so it's all about making other people happy through food so I um, yeah I decided to uh, start in a nursery back in London so I finished uni and I went there 
and the most approachable job was like cooking for kids back then so I said why not yeah and I started to cook in a nursery the first one was for like uh, fifth, around 15 kids it was uh, yeah and uh, and then I, yeah, and then I step out in a 80 kids uh, nursery, and I, I remember I struggled a lot because I, I didn't have any clue on how to cook for like 80 people, right? And I remember lots of allergies and uh, intolerance. So I, yeah, I learned a lot actually about ordering and yeah. Um, mm, being fast right so work in a fast-paced environment and then my mom said Rosie what are you doing I mean if we all uh, like we all know I think that you want to do you want to cook in your life and even if they my parents at the beginning they weren't actually super happy of me changing career imaging having a a daughter that she's a lawyer I, I know that it's like not I don't I don't agree with that but imagine parents in the south of Italy and they want for you the best and of course the uh, kitchen career is not an easy one right so my mom used to say yeah why don't do just an office job but then at the end she was the first one to actually push me towards what I really wanted to do and they helped me a lot because they gave me the chance to attend uh, probably the best school, the best cookery school back in Italy and um, and I wouldn't like, I'm really, really, really super grateful for this because without them I couldn't be here today where I am. And, and that's where, yeah, I started to attend Alma, which is, yeah, uh, one of the, yeah, um, uh, best school yeah, in Italy, probably in Europe, uh, which helped me a lot and uh, where I learned uh, lots of stuff, but especially uh, helped me because I cook from seven years now. And um, usually a chef starts the career in the kitchen when um, like at 16 years old, let's say. So I started pretty late and this school helped me like cutting like lots of years of, yeah. Um, and so just brought me where I am now. You've had some extraordinary uh, experiences working at venues in Italy and in the UK. What's been the real sort of key venues and people that you've worked at as you built your career? Um, I think the key is actually was actually here in Australia uh, at Aria when uh, I I knew uh, of course Joel Bigford, which was the head chef back then, and I started working there, and then I got promoted after uh, yeah one and a half years at uh, sous chef, and that was like yeah everything changed with that promotion I think uh, but saying that doesn't mean that all the experience that I built before that like it was like even even that experience that I had in, in the UK uh, was like very important to me because of course coming here and you have in your CV like two years in a two Michelin star uh, it's different right uh, and also in the in the UK, in Marlow, like I worked very very hard for two years, 
um, probably 80 hours a week and I learned not a lot about the techniques because yeah it wasn't too much about cooking but it was too much about the resilience and uh, being in a, a very hard like environment where all <laughs> alpha males <laughs> I don't know <laughs> it's I don't wanna I don't wanna do a like uh, a, a question of gender but uh, it was yeah it was very hard of course to to prove myself back then but yeah I was strong and yeah so I learned a lot about yeah cooking in the kitchen with uh, a big a big brigade as well what uh, lured you to Australia? Tell us about that move in that period of time. Um, uh, well, I came here for like doing an experience with my ex-partner, and we wanted both to come in Sydney uh, from ages since we were at uh, uni, but we didn't have the financial support to do so. So. Uh, at some point, I I spent like a uh, few years in London, and I told myself what's the next step. And Australia, for European people, as always, like Australia is like the goal. I don't know how to explain it, but it's like nice weather, super beautiful landscapes, nice city that uh, you can like very livable city. It's not like living in London because like living in Sydney is very different. You still can have like a nice career, but you have your free time and uh, a nice salary. You can save money, but you can have fun at the same time. And yeah, for me, the weather is the key because I grew up in the southern Italy always very warm, uh, even in winter. So the UK hasn't been like <laughs> very nice for this like point because the weather, of course, we all know about it. The London weather, always rainy and I love the sun, I love summer. So yeah, that was one of the strongest reasons why I came here. You mentioned the difference with the lifestyle and the amazing weather that we do have here in Australia, but how different were the kitchens uh, in Australia and working in them compared to what you were used to in the Michelin star restaurants? Um, it's very different, yeah. Um, so here there's more um, attention to the uh, employee itself, like, um, yeah. Um, but um, I think the food back in Europe is um, probably five or six years. Uh, yeah, here we are a little bit behind on this, uh, on like the developing of the food and what's trendy. Just like if you see what's happening in the Nordics or like Copenhagen, it's crazy. Like um, they just are on another level, I think. But, yeah, the main difference, I think, I would say every time that I hear someone going back, going, like, from Australia to the UK, for example, to work, I'm like, I don't know, why do you do that? I mean, you have lots to learn, of course, but here it's much more relaxed and you can do it even better if you are in a good state of mind. I'm not saying that... 
you don't have to do sacrifice and like everyone does it if you want to achieve good stuff, right? But here it's much more enjoyable. And yeah, so I think that's the main difference. You mentioned uh, working with Joel Bigford at ARIA and you also worked with him at the Showhouse Group as well. But you mentioned that your time in ARIA, how it sort of was quite pivotal for you. What were those changes and what, you know, how did they impact on you and and moving forward with your career? Yeah, so, well, I started there as, uh, as a CDP and then I really have a passion for pastry from like since day one since I start cooking and at some point I I've been moved there at Aria in a pastry section I remember and he asked me to to come with ideas for the new menu for the new dessert menu and uh, I start like studying a lot. I remember going back home after my shift and studying until probably like 3 or 4 a.m. in the morning just because I wanted to like show him that I was <laughs> capable of doing that. And I think that was uh, the big change for me. Uh, he always like uh, believed in uh, my skills and my personality. My, uh, so um, I got the I got the promotion after like um, taking care of the whole pastry section after like few few months and uh, yeah that was like um, like the, the crucial point let's say that changes all my perspective and I thought oh yeah I mean I can do that right. And uh, one of the my goal like has been from forever to be like a chef before 30. Uh, I don't know if it's right or wrong, but this pushed me always to do better and better and to find always the new challenge. So all social house was like great because um, gave me the chance to experience an opening. Uh, and opening are like not easy at all, right? So we did that. I did that with Joel and Aaron Ward as well, uh, and all these other personality, like super strong personality in the, in the hospitality. That um, uh, so from who I learned like a lot, and this gave me the also the push to accept this role as head chef for a new opening which uh, has been very hard uh, I don't have like I need to be honest in the first like uh, month but uh, yeah everyone can do it right I believe it's just um, uh, about attitude and not a lot about the skill sets that you have so if you are yeah if you have determination and you know what you want uh, of course, it's always or is also about luck and all other stuff in life. But attitude is a lot for me and helped me a lot in my career. You've been doing amazing things, even though you just sort of got started with Bar Morris there. Mm-hmm. Let's talk a little bit about your food. Is there, is there a couple of dishes that you could tell us about that sort of exemplifies what you're doing there? Yeah. 
uh, I think um, one uh, which I'm like getting like super super nice feedback and was also uh, one that I was personally the most curious of is the uh, Madeleine. We have like a savory Madeleine on the menu. It is one of our snack and. Uh, uh, so Madeleine, the classic French pastry, is one of my favorite. Actually, uh, let's say dessert petit four. Uh, um, like personally, like they are my favorite. And so I thought, but why don't why, why don't we do it like uh, in a savory version? So uh, instead of sugar, I use a lot of uh, Parmigiano and uh, some preserved lemon through through the um, the sponge and then the madeleine is filled with an enduia emulsion and some thinly sliced uh, guanciale and uh, on top is dusted with a, a smoked tomato powder and at the beginning i was like oh this can be super good or can be absolutely a nightmare <laughs> And uh, I remember myself crying <laughs> after like a shift where I tried to do this Madeleine at the beginning when I was de- developing the menu probably eight times in like two hours and I couldn't get it right. And I was like, oh my God, this is to, supposed to be my signature dish and um, people, what are they going to think? <laughs> And then little by little, I actually found a nice uh, recipe. And yeah, and it's crazy because sometimes I have people coming here, Bam Morris, just for the Madeleine. <laughs> I'm like, that's good. I'm super happy about it. Uh, so this is one. And another dish, uh, which is like um, super nice, is the uh, spaghettone. Uh, I actually get the pasta from a small family business uh, in Puglia, so where I come from. And it's a semola spaghettone uh, season with a, a celeriac puree, a bay leaf oil and some confit pine mushroom and for the crunchy part, some hazelnut. So it's not like a classic um, Italian pasta sauce. Uh, but yeah, that's what I like to experiment with the food and trying to push people to yeah uh, to eat new new stuff and they might think oh well what it like I don't know for the madeleine for example I never had a savory madeleine but then they taste it and it's super nice and an explosion of flavor so it's curious and it's fun and that's what I like about food at the end of the day. You spoke so beautifully about your mother and grandmother's food. Do any of their recipes feature on the menu? Oh, definitely, yeah. We have our pan focaccia, which is um, a cross between uh, a classic Italian focaccia and a fluffy bread, which is my grandma recipe. Is made with a uh, spelt flour, 40% spelt flour, and we fold it for six times in uh, a six-hour time, so from the start to finish, and then it's uh, just brushed with some really aromatic um, garlic oil made in house. My grandma used to bake it in the wood fire oven, so it was like even (laughs) 
more more tasty than mine but yeah uh that's one of the recipe um and now like i'm doing a muscle dish which i used to eat all the time uh, back home uh, so yeah a lot of things remind me of of course my heritage and my yeah my time with uh them even if i wasn't cooking but it just like sometimes it just watching them and yeah well, I know you've just started the new role and sinking your teeth in at the moment. Um, but uh, what do you love about what you do? Um, well, I I love the fact that, as I said before, the people come see and and they say, "Look, uh, you made my day. The food is delicious." But even not just about the food is also about the hospitality and uh, that we we source right and uh it's also about like managing different outlets i i need to be honest uh i i like i like to be a leader and i hope uh, uh the guy in my team can recognize me as as yeah as as one right and uh, i always want to learn and this is the perfect job to yeah to be into uh, there's a lot of challenges, but for example, yeah, I'm here like to learn. I'm still I still have a lot to learn, so it's not a dull um, job, let's say. Uh, it's always uh, put you in a situation where you need to face challenges or you need to solve some issues. Even in even in service, you need to have like uh, I like you need to have like very you need to be very good in a problem solving situation, right? So yeah, uh, it's yeah, it's always um, it's super like adrenaline. Well, uh, it's amazing what you're creating there, and an honour to catch up with you today to hear a part of your story, Rosie. Look forward to hearing so much more. Um, please keep in touch, and we'll catch up again soon. Thank you so much, Ask. Thanks for having me. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Stay tuned as we take a deep dive into the lives of the incredible people who ply their trade in the food and hospitality sector. Special thanks to executive producer Rob Locke for making this all happen. Follow us on Instagram at Deep in the Weeds Podcast or email us at podcast at deepintheweeds.com.au and be well.